Praise the Lord. I'm glad that the Lord is our shepherd. And I'm glad that he's not only the Lord of the hills, but he's also the Lord of the valleys. And so this is what we want to talk about, even though we're walking through with the emphasis on through. The valley is not our destination. It is just something that we are going through. Amen? It is not our dwelling place. Our dwelling place is the secret place of the Most High. Our good shepherd knows the terrain. There's nothing to fear. If we stay close to the good shepherd, he will always take us through the challenging times. You know, Winston Churchill said this. He says, if you're going through hell, just keep going. And so here's what the psalmist said. He said, I will fear no evil. Now, we do know this, that there is a spirit of fear and that there is also the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith comes from God. The spirit of fear comes from the enemy. Now, even as a born-again Christian, you can either yield to the spirit of fear and the spirit of despondency, or you can yield to the spirit of faith and the spirit of victory. I want to remind you that he's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And what kind of mind do you have? Say it with me, thank God fear is not natural, because I'm born of God. So fear is not natural to the born-again believer, and you do not have to buy into the lie that, well, you know, we all have fears, and after all, we live in a fallen world. Yeah, but he raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the midst of a fallen world, we have a risen Savior, but we not only have a risen Savior, he raised us from death to spiritual life. Come on, somebody. And so we cannot... Yield to fear. We must not yield to the fear of failure, to the fear of making mistakes, to the fear of rejection, to the fear of heights, to the fear of the future, and to the fear of death. Jesus Christ has literally destroyed him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now look with me at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. I want to see if you can do better than the first class this morning. The first class was very active. Let's see how active you are. Let's read together. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil's defeated. But it goes on to say, read, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So we see and understand that all fear has as its root the fear of death. Jesus came and broke the power of death, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and rose triumphantly. And for his sons and his daughters, he said, now there's no more bondage for you. I like that. You see, once we were subject to bondage, fear puts a person in bondage. The opposite of bondage is freedom. The opposite of bondage is liberty. Amen? And you and I have received the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There is liberty. So we need to ask ourselves the question, where is the Spirit of the Lord? Well, surely the Spirit of the Lord is upon us today, is He not? How many of you sensed Him? 
but surely the Lord is also among us. But if you're born of God, the Spirit of the Lord is in you. The Spirit of liberty, the Spirit of freedom is on the inside of you. So therefore, we must not have bondage. We must not be entangled with the cares of this life and subject to the laws of sin and death because the greater one indwells us. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of liberty, who is the Spirit of freedom, where does he live? He lives on the inside of me. Amen? And so this becomes real and becomes activated in our lives the more we pay attention to him who lives on the inside. This becomes activated in our lives when we quote scriptures like 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Now what does that say? It says, greater is he, talking about the Spirit of God, talking about the Spirit of Liberty. Greater is he that is in me than he, the spirit of fear and the spirit of bondage that is in the world. How many of you know that this greater one always overcomes the lesser one? You don't have the lesser one in you. You've got the greater one in you. You don't have the lesser one bringing you into bondage. You've got the greater one bringing you into freedom and glorious liberty. Therefore, I believe that we ought to be the freest people on the earth. I don't believe we should be afraid to get on a jet. I don't believe that we should be afraid of heights. I don't believe we should be afraid of the future. I believe we ought to look at our future with a great expectancy of good. Why is that? Because God is good. I don't believe that we should be afraid and have the fear of failure. Why is that? Because the all-successful one lives on the inside of us. Pastor, yeah, but I've failed and I've missed it. Stop living in yesterday and start living in now faith today. Put your yesterdays behind you and walk with God and you'll see that your future is bright. Come on, somebody. Let's shout glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, but I fell. Well, join the club. Stop falling and stand down. Fall forward, dust yourself up, and get up. Glory to God. Amen. Now, you see, fear of death will connect you to the law of sin and death. Think about what Job said. Job said that the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. One translation says... What I dreaded has happened to me. Still another translation says, Everything that I fear and dread, it just seems to come true. You see, fear was like a magnet to Job because Job greatly feared the calamities that happened to him. Friends, stop talking about your fears. Stop talking about all the things that could go wrong and might go wrong. And start talking about the goodness of God. And start lifting up your voice and magnifying the Lord in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And shout the victory and overcome by faith. Amen. Whoo, glory. Look at Romans 8, verse 15. Romans 8, 15. So fear produces bondage, but faith produces liberty. Amen? 
In Romans 8.15, let's read this together. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption or the spirit of liberty, whereby we cry, Daddy, Daddy. Hallelujah. So faith and living by faith will bring freedom into our lives. And that is why that the enemy works so hard to keep Christians out of faith and get them into fear. I want to say to you today that fear is never from God. Now here's some things that I want to talk to you about today. Although we know that we've not been given a spirit of fear, although we know that we've been given the spirit of liberty, there is a slippery slope in the world system that is ever trying to pull us back in to the spirit of fear. Amen? And so that is why what I've done in my life, and I want to encourage you in your life, I have put some boundaries in my life where fear is concerned. Now I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 4. And notice with me in the 23rd verse. Proverbs the 4th chapter and the 23rd verse says, To keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Now, when it talks about the issues of life, it talks about the forces of your recreated human spirit, which are love and righteousness and wisdom and faith. You see, out of our belly should be flowing rivers of living water. Amen? Amen. What kind of rivers? Rivers of living water. And so, now notice this. If we took time to really break this down in the context that this is talking about, the context of Proverbs 4.23 is found in verse 20, 21, and 22, where it says, My son, attend to my words. Amen? Incline thine ear to what? Keep them, my words, where? In the midst of thine heart, for my words are life unto those that do what? And they are health or medicine to all their flesh. So what this is saying is protect your ears, protect your eyes, and in protecting what you see, and in protecting what you listen to, and in protecting what you say, you are keeping your heart with all diligence. In other words, you are protecting your spirit from outside influences that would have a tendency to pull you out of faith back into the area of fear. So what I want to encourage you in this morning is to build some boundaries in your life. You may have to stop watching some of the stuff on television that you're watching. You may have to stop listening to some of the jokes at work. I'm not saying you have to, but you may have to. That is, if you're serious about protecting this down here. Because this is where faith is produced. 
This is where love flows from. And I cannot afford, and I will not allow violence to be playing on my television 24 hours a day. And then go try to have a good night's rest. The media is not faith-driven. Have you noticed? They will never talk about how many people lived in Oakland last night. But they will talk about how many people died in San Jose and in Fremont and in Oakland and in San Francisco. They will not ever build you up by their news. They will, by the spirit of the world and the spirit of fear, try to drag you down. And cause fear to abound. And then the next thing you know, you're thinking, well, that could happen to me. Because you never know. The man upstairs may call you home. Now that all sounds religious and that all sounds very sanctimonious, but I'm telling you, you can't find it in the Bible. The Word of God doesn't say with short life will I disappoint you and show you my cancer. With a broke life will I cause you to be in the poverty realm. And I will cause you to just be clawing and clamoring for every penny you get. No. He said, with long life, with strong life, I'm going to satisfy you. And I'm going to show you my salvation. Say with me, the deliverance of the Lord is so good. And so build boundaries into your life. I want to share with you a boundary that has become very real to me personally recently. And the Lord really has pointed it out to me. And I believe that if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Amen? Let me just start out by saying this. Faith and fear do not mix. Did you know that you could be so filled with faith in your life that there's no more room for fear? And so then I believe that we can stop alternating and stop yielding to the spirit of faith one day and to the spirit of fear the next. Come on, somebody. Fear is subtle. It is very subtle. The whole world is filled with it. It's subtle. Therefore, you must build boundaries around your life. And you must pray for the Lord to give you insight. What do you mean insight? I believe that the Spirit of God will give you insight and the ability to recognize any fear in every fear that comes to your life. See, in order to deal with it, you've got to be able to identify it. Right? Say with me, in order to deal with it, I've got to be able to identify it. I've got to be able to recognize it. Amen? Then in recognizing it, you can go into the RM, I call it. And the RM is the resisting mode. Where you resist the enemy with the word, with the name, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the enemy will flee from you. He will run from you as in terror. And then the next one you do is you've got to replace it. The law of displacement. 
get so filled with the Word, filled with the Spirit, that there just ain't no more room for any fear. But one that the Lord has really pointed out to me recently, and I think that it's very good for us to realize it, it's found in Matthew chapter 6, if you'd turn over there with me, please. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Do you believe that what you say is important? I believe that what we say can either license God or license the enemy to move on our behalf. Words, if you will, are like containers. Words either contain faith or love or joy, or your words can contain sorrow. Your words can contain depression. Your words can contain fear. Your words can contain dread. Oh, I just dread going to work tomorrow. I just, I just dread having to meet with that person. You know what dread is? Dread is an expression of fear. Whatever Job dreaded came upon him. Dread is an expectancy of evil or an expectancy of bad. Faith and hope are an expectancy of good. Now notice with me in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Look with me and start in verse 25. Here's from the lips of the master, from the lips of Jesus himself. He said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. He says, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And then he goes on to say, Behold the fowls of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Are you better than a bird? Absolutely you are. Now Jesus himself, the head of the church, is telling you these thoughts will come, but don't take them. These thoughts will come, How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to feed my babies? How am I going to pay my PG&E bill? How am I going to overcome this cancer? How am I going to overcome this? How am I going to overcome that? Those thoughts will come. But here's what the head of the church said. Don't take it. Don't take it. Because what he's saying is, I've got your back. Jesus is saying to you in your situation today, son, daughter, I got you. I got you. I bought and paid for you. You're mine. I am yours. You are mine. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. You are a child of the living God. Son and daughter, don't worry, don't fret, don't have any anxiety about anything. I got you. Is that what he's saying? He said now in verse 27, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then he reiterates, He says, wherefore, if the father so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, 
Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of what? See, when we are taking thought, we are yielding to the spirit of fear. And in the eyes of Jesus, it's little faith. It's little faith. Now, that's not a put down. It just is what it is. I've discovered you can go from little faith to strong faith and from strong faith to great faith. But he's reiterating this. And then he goes on to say in verse 31, here's what I want you to see. Therefore, take no thought. Everyone say take no thought. If you're not going to take a thought, then you must not think on that thought. You must recognize that thought, reject that thought, resist that thought, and replace that thought. Now here's what the Lord showed me. He said, therefore, take no thought, and then he goes on to share how we do. Saying... Saying, saying, licensing those thoughts by what we are saying. What am I going to eat? He said just earlier, I feed the birds. What am I going to drink? He told us earlier that all of our needs would be met. Or don't say. Don't take the thought saying, what am I going to wear? Wherewithal shall I be clothed? And what the Lord showed me is this. Is Mark, you need to stop asking so many what ifs. (laughs) You need to stop thinking about other scenarios and go the only scenario that I have which is my word, which is victory. And the Spirit of God has pointed that out to me. Instead of taking those thoughts and saying and thinking, well, if this doesn't work and this doesn't happen, we could do this or do that. The Lord pointed his finger at me and said, son, that is doubt and that is unbelief and you must stop it and stop it now. Now, If that's happened to me, I'm sure it might have happened to one or two other people in this auditorium. See, what I believe that the Lord is not here to rebuke us, but the Lord is here to sharpen us, to make us quicker, to make us brighter, and to close the doors and to keep the doors closed that need to be closed. One of the biggest doors that we can close is this. I'll go up here and illustrate it more. One of the biggest doors that we need to close is this. And I've had the Spirit of the Lord just in my heart say, don't say that. Don't think that. Keep your mouth shut. And in keeping my mouth shut, what am I doing? I'm thinking the word only. You're speaking the word only. 
You're not opening the door for the destroyer through the word of your lips, but you're keeping the door wide open for the Spirit of God to give you breakthrough upon breakthrough and victory upon victory and grace heaped upon grace and goodness heaped upon the goodness of God. So what do you say we get rid of what if? Stop. Here's what the Spirit of God is saying. Stop asking the questions. Stop asking the questions. Because asking those kind of questions reveals little or no faith. Questions that are filled with fear reveals that a person is yielding to fear. Now, let's not stop there. If we can yield to fear, we can sure enough yield to faith. What do you mean yield to faith? Yield to what thus says the Lord. That is why this word that is in the Bible needs to get off of the pages into the hearts of men and women like you. So that when the, come on, so when the pressure comes, and you know the pressure will come. The pressure is coming to push you off your stand on girth. So when the pressure comes, the only thing that comes out of the abundance of the heart is the mouth will speak, thus saith the Lord. The mouth will say what God's word is said. Look at your neighbor and say, take no thought. Saying. So here's some keys now to overcoming fear. Here's big ones. Stop asking the questions. Recognize it. Resist it. Replace it. But notice with me in Psalms 34. Did you wear your shouting clothes today? Actively resist fear. Actively cast down those imaginations. Actively open your heart to faith-filled words. Faith-filled words dominate the laws of sin and death. I can remember one time Jerry Savelle came to Kenneth Copeland many, many, many years ago. And Jerry was very new in the things of God. He had been listening to Brother Copeland's teachings all day long. And some things weren't working for him. And he went to Brother Copeland and he said, Brother Copeland, he says, I want to ask you one thing. How come this ain't working? And all Brother Copeland said to him, he says, Jerry, you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. There's wisdom in that. I mean, if you can't think anything to say according to the Word of God, you better zip it up. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about your wife or your husband now. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 4. Notice this. I will bless the Lord when I really feel like it. You know, like Brenda this morning, you know, I woke up half asleep. You ever woke up half asleep? Well, when I wake up half asleep, I usually head for the coffee pot. And she knew it, and she started chiding me a little bit and started joking with me a little bit, dancing around in her bathrobe, and saying, The joy of the Lord is our strength. Ha, 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 I said, Hold that, sister. Let me have a cup of coffee. <laughs> but it's true. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need to be reminded of it, even if it's by our wife in her bathrobe. It's all good. 
But he said, here's what I'm going to do. He said, I am going, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless him today. And his praise shall continually be what? Praise will shut those thoughts down every time. Praise and worship in, out of your mouth, in your home, in your car, in the workplace. God will inhabit the praises of his people and cause the enemies to fall back and perish at the presence of God. Don't sit around there and think the thoughts of the enemy. Lift up your voice and thank God. Lift up your voice and praise Him. Lift up your voice and rejoice. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth. That is why we encourage you to build an atmosphere around your home of praise. Verse 2. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, what? Can the Lord be magnified? In our sight, he sure can be. I mean, he's already big. He is so big. But can he get any bigger to you? Can he get any bigger to me? Can he get any bigger to all of us? You bet he can. But now notice, when we praise him... And we magnify him. He just takes up all of our thoughts. He just takes up all of our affections. He just takes up all of our life. And it's the law of displacement. The thoughts of the enemy are displaced by the goodness of God. And by the resurrection power of Jesus. Come on somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn me to Psalm 27 verses 1 through 3. Ooh, glory. I can see I'm not going to get through with this message. You guys listen so good you could preach all day. But I have the sense that you won't let me. (laughs) Psalm 27, verse 1. Let's read it together. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What's the answer? No one. Now turning over to Psalm 46, let's look over there. Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 46, verse 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's a very present help. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed... And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Hallelujah. Now here's another key that I want to throw at you today. If you want to keep fear under your feet and keep fear at bay, you need some faith buddies. You need some friends. Friends that will not drain you, but friends that will build you up. I thank God for faith buddies. I mean, you can call them on the phone, and you might have a challenge going on in your body. You call them on the phone and say, hey, tell me how healed I am again. Oh, yeah, you're healed. By his stripes, you're healed. Oh, glory to God. You are the healed of the healed. You are well. You are whole. Or call them up on the phone. Tell me again how God meets my needs. Does God meet your needs? 
He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can dare ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. He meets your needs all right. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's got a storehouse of blessing for you. We all need faith buddies. Hallelujah. Just recently I was kind of going through a little test and a trial and I text a good friend of mine and, and I told him some things and, and he says, well, we're believing God for extra strength extra strength. Just that word that came through that text, I cannot describe to you, something happened on the inside of it. It was like my spirit took hold of it, and all of a sudden, strength started coming into my spirit. Strength started coming into my body. Strength started coming into my mind. And I was once again able to run through a troop and leap over a wall and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Glory. When I saw him about a week later, I said, you know what, glory? He says, we're hooking with you for extra strength. I looked at my brother and said, that's exactly what I got. I got extra strength. Hallelujah. That's a faith buddy. Don't get yourself a wino. Don't get yourself a friend that's a person that when you tell them that you're going through, they say, yeah, but here's what I'm going through. No, get somebody that will get in the arena of faith with you and take the sword out and lock shields with you and kick the devil in the rear end. Glory to God. Put them on the run. Everyone say, put them on the run. Woo! Should I keep going or not? All right, let's turn to Mark. Chapter 4. Look at verse 35. The same day. When the evening was come, he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going through, we're going through, we're going through, we're going through. He sent the multitude away. They took him even he was in the ship. There was also with him other little ships. There arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship and it was now full. Notice they didn't have this conversation. Well, we must have missed God. This just wasn't the will of God. How many of you know there is something called a devil? And in verse 38, it says, He was in the hinder part of the ship, sleep on a pillow. He was not afraid. They woke him up. They said unto him, Master, don't you care that we perish? They're scared to death. But he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And what kind of a calm was there? See, there was a great storm, and then there was a great... For every great storm, God's got a greater calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? See, they yielded to fear by asking the question. Master, don't you care that we perish? Don't ask those questions. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here's what I'm telling you this morning. You can be smack dab in the middle of the will of God, obeying him with all of your heart, but then there comes the storm. And you need to make the decision that God's not against you, he's for you. That when you're on assignment for him, like I said earlier, he has got you. And your attitude should be, I'm going over, I'm not quitting. You see, fear can only flourish 
in the absence of faith. But faith pushes fear out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. David said, I will not fear what can man do unto me. I will not fear because the Lord is my shepherd. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 13 and the message, verse 5 and 6. Say it with me, the Lord's on my side. I'm not afraid. I'm not asking questions. I'm moving straight ahead. I'm moving forward in faith. Now this is so good, I want you to read it with me. Did you wear your shouting clothes? Okay, let's read. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. Verse 6. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? I'm fearless. No matter what. Oh, that our eyes were open so that we could see the plans that he has for us. Plans to prosper us and to give us a bright future and a bright hope. You know, he did a mighty work on Calvary. He did a mighty work in the bowels of the earth. He rose from the dead and he rose, rose, raised you. And the scripture says, he did all this that he might clearly demonstrate to the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his grace, his unmerited favor, his kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. So I'm here to tell you, folks, that the future is bright. And the immediate future is bright, too. Because God has designed some paths for you and I to walk in. In this little sliver of time we have left here on earth. There's not a lot of time left. Say it with me. Jesus is coming soon. And I believe with all my heart that every person in this auditorium is going to fulfill the path that God's got for them. That's going to fulfill the plan of God that he has designed for you from way before the foundation of the earth. You know what we're all going to say? We're going to look at each other one day. You know, we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in glory. We're going to be rejoicing in the goodness of God. And we're going to be able to look at each other and say, Man, God is good. He did it. He did the exceeding. He did the abundant. Above all that we could dare ask, hope, or think. Because of his goodness and because of his grace. So like Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep walking by faith and not by sight. Let's all stand up and give God some praise today.